welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 66 for October 9th, 2019. Wow, so many episodes and so many great stories we've already had this year, and this show is no different. We're calling this our hashtag American Invasion review of Wales Rally GB. We'll be chatting with returning special guests, Kiana Erickson Chang and Ryan Booth, who both made their WRC debuts last weekend in the junior WRC class, one of the most epic rallies in the world. We also have Ian Holmes back, and he's no longer suffering from jet lag. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, greetings, everybody. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and as I sip on my hot mug of English breakfast tea. Yes, I've gone full British. <laughs> uh, with me is our fully recovered from jet lag co-host, Ian Holmes. Enjoyed the Goodwood Revival and visit to Brooklyn's, did you, Ian? Uh, just, just a little. Ju- just a little. I mean, I could rabbit on for hours and hours and hours about about the experience. It really was something else. But, uh, the big highlight of uh, Goodwood was I actually met the man himself, the man behind Goodwood Festival of Speed and the Revival and the members meeting the, the um, Earl the Earl of Richmond and Gordon. Oh, wow. That's I, cool. Royalty. I, <laughs> and, and to us, I mean, well, considering yeah, it's motorsports, I mean, that's motorsports royalty, really. Uh, well, I mean, he is royalty. He's eight generations removed from uh, King Charles I. Yeah, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just... Well, Come King on, Charles this is the, the America F yeah show. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, he's a really cool guy. And once he find, once he's found out you've traveled like a third the way around the world to come and see the revival, he's t- totally in awe and he's just such a super nice guy and absolutely enthusiastic. It was it was great to chat with him, even if I only chatted with him for a couple of minutes. Ah, well, we love the enthusiasm of motorsports. We need to keep it around. So that's you from being back in jolly old England, which is what the show is going to really kind of focus on. So mm-hmm. without further ado, we will be transitioning to our special guests, Kiana Erickson Chang and Ryan Booth. Well, I have to say I was a proud American this weekend following Wales Rally GB with the massive American contingent contingent in the junior WRC and with us to help Talk about all the awesomeness that was there is Kiana Erickson Chang and Ryan Booth. Kiana, how are you doing this uh, evening, morning, whatever your brain thinks it is? <laughs> Great, yeah, still, still getting over the time difference, but um, yeah, it's good. And Ryan, what about you, sir? Yeah, all good. Excited to be talking to you guys again. Well, we're definitely excited to have you guys on the show because wow, that was a hell of an event. Um, First of all, for both of you, this is your first ever WRC-type event. You know, it's in the junior WRC, but it is a WRC event. What was the atmosphere like in comparison to, like, other rallies you've been to? Either of you, jump in. There's no favorites <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, on the spot. Um, yeah, I, it's it's just such a big, big event. Um, so many... People, fans, like, production is just massive, like, service park's huge. Um, yeah, I don't even I don't even know how to describe it, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just to sum it up, I mean, you did an okay job there, but it just, like, 
it's just full on. You know, there's, I think on Friday we were in the car for 15 hours, got about five hours of sleep. Then Saturday we were in the car for 15 hours. The fans are crazy. I mean, you come around a corner and you see people still standing in the, the middle of the stage from the last car that went by. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. just the, the vibe is insane over there. Yeah, it's a good point because Saturday we had over, what, f- over, f- was it over 500? Yeah, I think it was something like that. 500 um, at least minimum transit, transit. miles yeah. or kilometers and over 150 stage kilometers on Saturday alone. So Yeah, my brain lost count after the first couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Oregon Trail, we had some bad transits, but geez. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, about a two-hour transit to the start. Um, actually, a little bit shorter from where we actually started, but. Yeah, long, long day Saturday, and I mean, yeah, just as much as you're doing in a full rally in a single day. Yeah. So are you like, I mean, speaking as an Englishman, I I think that uh, Rally GB is like probably the second most important rally in in the history of the event. I mean, while you're there, are you like aware of the uh, the history? of this of of this event or or... i mean i i wasn't i wasn't fully aware of it until i saw how many fans are there and i mean you literally are driving on on the transit sections and going through these little towns in europe and people are out there with their phones videoing you just driving through town um you know it it just spoke to me that people are are rallying is just something deep in their culture over there and um it really showed yeah, I wish I had like like known, I guess a little bit more about the history going in and everything. But you know, I've had a lot of time in the airport traveling back, and was catching up on all of like the studio bits from All Live, and they're great about going into the history um, and really painting that picture. So yeah, and it's it's kind of hard. I don't know about you, Kiana, but it, it was kind of hard to even have time to think about that when you're in such a full-on event. I mean, you're so focused on what's going on the next 10 minutes in front of what you're doing at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, very little time to think about anything else. Like, even just how the race is going for P1 and P2 because you're just so immersed in everything that's going on. And, you know, you're starting the day, getting there, having breakfast, going to get the car. You've got 15 minutes for service, got to be out, and then... You know, then you're in your race all day, and you don't really have time to think about much else wow. aside from what you need to be doing. Well, for some of my own selfish reasons, uh, the JWRC has a pretty darn good media team, especially with Seb Scott, which I love that guy. He is so <laughs> yeah. much fun. I, what was it like being part of that group, and how the Junior WRC tries to elevate the focus of juniors and you know people get just getting into the sport um well i don't know for me i i really briefly met like seb and adam um on corsica when we went to do the recce there but really didn't get a chance to really get to know them until the start of GB week and of course the first thing was that we filmed the little segment um, about the Americans <laughs> loose in I don't know and that was you know we, okay we get there we meet at the uh, American flag in town and it's 
okay, we've got two ideas. We're either going to go see all the tourist sites or we're going to hit up all the American quote-unquote home comforts. <laughs> yeah, I, Good I, choice. I, 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 I thought, thought it was I, hilarious. I saw that, yeah, with the pumpkin spice latte and the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, that didn't so, mix very well, did it? No, so we're like, okay, we're going to go with home comforts. But it was, you know, very big um, concept. And, yeah, um, Starbucks, everything. And I'm like, oh, like, wonder if we can get pumpkin spice latte. And I was like, great, that's it. That's the plan, pumpkin spice lattes and fried chicken. And of course, all, all the signs in Starbucks would, would have been bilingual in Welsh as well, wouldn't they? So, I didn't even, didn't, didn't even didn't notice, notice that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes my questions about the Welsh language. <laughs> I saw there some. Was, oh, there was I... some like great little like clip of um, Alex Kirani like outside when we were just meeting at the American flag in the morning and there was like a life preserver and it was like how to use the life preserver and it was all in Welsh <laughs> and <laughs> it was like well first you blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was like this great clip that was on just Sean's Instagram but it's like at the end what do you so what do you think Kiana and it's like well I think we know how to save a life now <laughs> <laughs> okay, we but... definitely got to look up Sean Johnston's uh, Instagram stories then. Yeah, uh, hopefully he he's... saved that video. <laughs> yeah, right. There, there's there's some fun ones out there. For sure. But I, I think I think they could have found a better place to interview you than sat on Sandudno uh, Beach. Um. Well, <laughs> the plan the plan was uh actually like I couldn't find that bit, but um, so I haven't seen it. But we were planning to try and do it in front of the cars. But mm -hmm. the cars hadn't come back from tech yet. They'd been over there for quite some time waiting to get in. Um, so when the time came around to do it, uh, Julian was just running back because uh, he'd been trying to interview Elfin, and Elfin was late. And so he went to Hyundai and was like trying to get his stuff in with Craig done. And then they were playing with the engine and didn't get much done on that front, so he hadn't gotten much done at all, showed up, cars weren't back, and we just needed a plan B. So we wound up heading down on the beach and uh, building a little a little rock tower to hide the camera case. Nice. Um, <laughs> Love that. That I was sitting on, and yeah. Ah, media stuff. Gotta love it. Ryan, did you get in on any of the media action? I, I saw the bit definitely with uh, Kiana and Sean and Alex, but I uh, didn't see you in any of that stuff yet. We did a little a little couple bits here and there, but um, once the, the event started, we just really were yeah so busy that they, they did some stuff around all the drivers, you know, whenever we were in service. They seem like they have a pretty good grasp at uh, promoting their drivers and how to do the media, so... Well, I definitely aspire us to somehow get to that level because I thought it was what, what coverage I could find. And it, there's still more stuff to find. You just got to keep searching. And it, it's such a big deal there that there's just all these different avenues, different places that you're able to find uh, content. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Use your search engines. Find stuff. <laughs> 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 well, let's start with Recky, though. Um, what was Recky like? You know, it's multiple days there. Uh, like I said, long transits that you end up having to do beforehand. So I'm guessing coming up with a recce schedule is just as complex as figuring out the rally itself. Yeah, recce was pretty full on. I think we left on 
was it the first day it was Tuesday morning. We left at like four twenty because we had like a three hour transit to the first stage, and then we we had a full fourteen or fifteen hours worth of recce on that day, and then another nine or ten on on Wednesday. Um, we actually had a car that did not have a spare or a jack, so we had to like midday go try to find some uh, a different <laughs> rental car with a spare and a jack because the roads were just so rough over there we sure thought we were gonna have a puncture but we tiptoed through yeah I, this is something i learned that in the uk the rent, rental cars like do not have spare tires anymore they've completely yeah. done away with it in pretty much the entire uh are they doing run flats maybe they're doing they like if you're lucky they give you a like slime patch like kit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which for us, we're, what we're doing, where if you're getting a flat, your tire is going to be completely cut, probably, is yeah. not something great. But like, there's there's nothing you can do about it. Um, the best thing is if you can get an actual left-hand drive recce car with gravel spec wheels and tires. Um, but you know, there are only so many, and unless you're on it even in like march april you still might not find it um i know that uh sean and alex were able to get one but like alex started looking in march and had three wow. fall through in that much time because it was like oh, yeah so yeah did. that should be like fine like we've got it's it'll be all set up and then, you know, a month or two later, it's like, oh, sorry, man. And then, you know, go through the whole thing again and again. And, yeah, it's it's just really difficult um, to actually They didn't own get. that car. They actually just rented that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, so there are a few nice. people out there <laughs> renting things. But, yeah, like, there's only so many, and unless you're on it super early. No, I mean, with that many people also wanting them, right? Because it's such a big yeah. event with so many entries. You can like, imagine there's quite a few, plus people traveling to rent yeah. cars there and mm -hmm. all the in-between. The one that um, Tom Williams had, he had bought just for the event and <laughs> was looking to sell it like once the rally was over. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Just, just okay. to like, be sure that he'd have it, you know? I like, couldn't fall yeah. through if he purchased it and... <laughs> Or whatever it was, but like, yeah, he got it just for it to do this recce and was looking at selling it like right away after the event. So yeah. we've actually had Tom on the show along with uh, Phil Hall as co-driver. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Super cool guys. Yeah. So Phil was the very first person I ever met at a rally. Period. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was Oddly it when enough. he was co-driving for uh, Chris Duplessis here? It was actually after that. He just oh. had come to New England mm. and uh, yeah just as we'd arrived like went in to have a quick bite and met Phil there yeah so funny small story world. the rally world is very small <laughs> one thing that was really great about Recce though is that they allowed us to go what was it Kiana was it 80 kilometers an hour so yeah 50 <laughs> yeah 50 mile oh an hour God. speed limit it was unbelievable one thing yeah. we gotta get in states which i know it'll be a monumental yeah. task is to go that fast well yeah and see, and it, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Well, one go. thing i was thinking though is now the roads that they're actually racing on there though aren't technically 
public roads, right? They're True. logging roads that they Correct. can actually close off for recce. Right. right. Yeah, that is so, I don't know if that same speed thing you're talking about is true about every rally that they do, whereas the ones in Wales, maybe it's different. You know, like were you able to do that same speed for any like the ones that went on through regular roads or something like that? You know, streets. Yeah. My knowledge, I think you can. I think the ADK is a WR That's a standard. A WRC standard, I think. Wow. But I could mm. be wrong because when we did do the two super specials we weren't allowed to go more than 80k i think it was or like 40 50K. it was i think 48 so yeah it so was, it might not be um, only 30 okay um corsica we were able like it was also i think about equal to 50 miles an hour that we were able to do um but again like there it was hard to actually do that speed with how technical the roads are right and, it, I mean, it was a little hard to carry, like, that speed on this recce, too, because, you know, we're in rental cars, and it's slippy and muddy. And on some sections, you can definitely get it up to that and keep yeah. it on. But other parts, you're, like, really not even – you're still just around, it. like, 30, 40, like, 40 on the second pass, maybe. But, you know, it, it really depends on where you're at and it all. I think that they do try and keep the speed – up higher there but correct that in wales it is all closed roads too so they are definitely able to i think mandate that a little bit yeah. better um, yeah, they only... nice. go ahead oh i was just gonna say because the first ever closed road rally in wales was just a few weeks ago actually um rally bay Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, they had yeah. the new law that they were able to pass there that allowed you to use closed public roads, right? So, you know, Wales Rally GB on the logging roads, that's considered private land. That's different. But yeah. the public roads, they always had, they couldn't even have a stage before they even crossed a public road or, or something like that. Yeah, that's how you got Sweet Lamb and Haffron run together on mm -hmm. on the on the on the Saturday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Saturday. Yeah, so. because they could actually use the piece of road that ran between the two stages. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it allows them to make longer stages and whatnot. So, uh, so before we get into into the actual you know stages on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let's talk about just the weather conditions and and seeing that. Um, Ryan, this being your seventh rally ever, I believe, and uh, you didn't qu get quite a chance to run on much of a wet rally when uh, you were at STPR because it ended a little early for you. Um, you're still, I, I, I love it though, you're still the, the happiest guy to have a role in a car I've ever seen, so that's good. <laughs> but um, you haven't seen rain like this before, have you? No, no, definitely not. And technically, I count it as like my fifth rally because like you said, I only got Two and a half stages done at STVR, and then Colorado. I didn't even really get to start. We drove oh, that's a right. mile or three quarters into the first stage, and uh, we broke down. So I count it as my fifth. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, fifth no, fifth never, completed rally. <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never experienced weather like that before, where it was just so back and forth. You know, in circuit racing, we drove in rain all the time, but it wasn't. You know, it was either it was either completely wet or completely dry. You know, it was rarely ever. Just a little bit of rain here and there, especially with it being dry on like sections of the stage, and then it'd be completely like three or four inches worth of mud on top of you know, whatever was underneath it that was super slick as well. So 
it was uh, it was pretty interesting trying to find grip and trying to figure out where you can push, where you can't push. It was a bit of a head scratcher. What about you, Kiana? I mean, you've been competing for a few years now, so you've experienced a little bit of rain and whatnot, but that that seemed like it was a whole other level. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of what Ryan said, that like really what the tricky thing is on this rally is that you get really patchy grip. So you might have, you know, you go through a junction, you change roads, and then be on a section of road that is more slippy than the other road but for the most part I actually thought for wet stages that the grip was quite good except where it's bad it's very bad so you just like really had to know and note um where that slippy was which is hard because the first day of recce which we were doing Saturday stages and then two of Friday stages it was actually pretty dry. Uh, and then our mm-hmm. second day of recce was very wet. Like for Friday stages, you know, you were really able to see where it was going to be slick. On Saturday stages, we didn't get to see that quite as much. Um, and Friday was the more technical day uh, with like the tighter roads. And then Saturday, a little bit wider, a little bit smoother, but. Yeah, finding where those patchy sections were, especially when, um, like, the first pass of the stages was more dry on Saturday morning. And then as we were leaving that loop is when it started to rain. So when we came back for the second pass, you were really starting to find where where those, like, patches were. So was it like when you're looking at the stages when they're more wet, you can kind of see just what gets a little more shiny and, and slick when you're doing recce. Um, and, and that kind of notate that even if it's not like dumping down or kind of see where it's starting to pool. Is that it? Um, a bit, but actually where like this, like slippy is almost that it's just, I guess, deeper if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so kind of how like you get slush on a snow or ice rally. And then that's like what will pull you off the road. Right. Like, you right. know, you can catch okay. a wheel in it and it'll just kind of like drag the car. But yeah, yeah what... I actually thought that the the general stage condition was more grippy than I expected it to be with how I've heard about the rally in the past. <laughs> um, but again, I have a lot more time on snow and ice. And a lot of people, and I guess because we don't run spikes here, mm-hmm. um, it's like you really, stuff, right? for snow rallies, exactly. Like it's obviously a lot better grip than we get on a rally like that. So, yeah, and the gravel, the gravel section really drained out well. And, you know, whatever that served on the Saturday stages that were a lot more open, it basically mud, but it just had so much grip. I don't know if it just drains really well or. Mm-hmm. If the roads are just built really well over there, but like Yana said, it was insane how much grip they had. I'm I'm chuckling here when you were talking about about the rain because like I've said before, it's like I, I lived in uh, North Wales for two years. I went to I went to college there, and I'll never forget that uh, when I started college there, it rained every day for two weeks. Exactly. When I went went to um, Wales Rally GB two years ago, I was expecting 
the weather that you got, but we got probably the best weather, <laughs> the sunniest weather that they've ever had for, for the event. So, yeah, that I would was... have been nice last week. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're learning. But yeah. Please note that we've uh, very much Americanized uh, Ian Holmes here. He just said college, not university. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, was, it was an art college. It was an art college. So I'll right. right. rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> Got to poke yeah. the bear a little bit every now and then. <laughs> uh, it was like, really interesting, too, because just at the start of the week... Um, it was the news that Hurricane Lorenzo was coming, and it was to be the farthest eastern-reaching hurricane on record. Oh, that's right, Lorenzo. They kept um, referencing Lorenzo all weekend. And, yeah, I mean, it was funny because they're like, oh, where'd he go? He got lost. Like, he's not here. And then it's, like, pouring in the service park. And we'd actually gotten a, um official communication about like high tides and refraining from having the service park fully set up until really the start of the rally because they were expecting high winds mm. and they were expecting the tide to be like very high, which luckily didn't seem to wind up being too much of a problem. But they were like, oh, it's going to be whatever, 8.2 meters. That's that that's a lot <laughs> holy cow um, yeah so they're thinking like storm surge stuff was gonna be happening i get it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually why they canceled great orm, great orm on saturday was that the uh the water was rough enough that they couldn't station rescue divers in the water and so they canceled the stage yeah i thought that was pretty mm -hmm. ironic because that that drop off the side of that cliff. <laughs> I don't know if there's much rescuing if you go flying over that thing. <laughs> that is exactly a discussion, actually. I had online with somebody. I was like, you know, it, it, this ever happened ever since the Titanic incident down in Mexico, where yeah. uh, Oiktanak went into um, into that lake um, reservoir, or whatever, and they didn't have any divers there. They've like, okay, uh, I'm guessing the insurance or whatever FIA or somehow FIA is mandated anytime you're doing this near water you have to have a dive crew on on hand but it's like you look at great orm and you're like come on really <laughs> but but then again you know they judge the safety of a stage based on the average speed which is also bullshit so whatever you know <laughs> whatever makes a bean counter is the insurance company happy yep. you know but yeah it's unfortunate they canceled that though because great orm is a beautiful piece of road and uh i would have loved to see some pictures of you guys going flat out on that that would have been really wicked but maybe next year huh mm -hmm. we'll, yeah. we'll see about that we'll see. <laughs> um so so when you saw this weather coming in and all that and you got the notifications were you intimidated before starting the rally on friday or thursday night i guess um, I kind of just didn't pay attention to any of it. I mean, M Sport was really good about sending us weather forecasts. I think, Kiana, I don't remember exactly how many we had. What was it, like 14 or 15 or 16? Probably. They'd send us two Probably. or three a day. Yeah, two or wow. three a day. And I just kind of was like, all right, well, give me a little bit of a heads up, Rhiannon. But, um, I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know, it's not going to change much unless it's pouring, downpouring on one part of the stage. It just... Um, it's nothing you can control. So I just kind of didn't want to hear about it and just focus and 
hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I kind of just like I had a quick look in the mornings just to decide if it was worth bringing like the heavy raincoat or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, aside from that, really didn't pay too much attention past recce because the Hurricane Lorenzo or whatever was supposed to hit the start of the week by Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Um, and yeah, past that, I didn't pay too much attention. So let's talk about uh, going into the weekend. You start off with this uh, stage super special at Olden Park. You got this big start ramp thing where they, you know, celebrate everybody as they, you know, as they start this rally. What was that kind of experience like? Uh, well, I'd say it was like it was pretty cool. The fact that they wound up running juniors to start like ahead of P1 because, um, you know, where we were on the road then would have been, what, sixth and seventh starting the rally. And it was pretty cool to just start where we did. Um, we obviously, like, started in Liverpool and then had the drive to Olton Park, <laughs> which is a long, long day. Um, you know, we had to be shakedown, finish shakedown by 11 to get back to Service Park so they could work on the cars for half an hour before we had to head out to make the check-in in Liverpool. Um, That's right. It's all the way in Liverpool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is a long ways. Did they let you travel the motorway all the way between uh, the and the uh, coastal yeah. heights? Special coast. They let you. Oh, that would cut the time down a bit, quite we a bit. Did and there, but there was also some road work going on on the motorway, so they expected it to take. They expected it would be a minimum of a twelve-minute delay with the construction. Um, so they gave us two options of when we could leave between, I think it was 1230 and one. And then, um, we had to be checked into the park expose for May in Liverpool. I think at, what was it? 330, something like that. I don't know. We had, yeah. we must've had two and a half hours, Wow. two to two and a half hours or something to be there. In an um, uncomfortable rally car on the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> Very loud and, each way, yes. Right, so then we're all out there and there for, I don't know, an hour, and then and then we're heading all, most of the way back to Olton Park to start. A long day without a ton going on, um, mm -hmm. but then our recce for the Olton Park stage was actually built into our transit time. Oh, okay. So the route book basically would, once we got to Olden Park, took us around the stage twice before putting us into the holding area. So I don't know for Ryan when you guys got there, but for us it was dry until we got about three quarters of the way around the second pass and then started to sprinkle. So we didn't get a very good feeling about how the surface was going to be when it got wet later yeah no we we had the same experience it was actually it was funny they, they had these drivers rooms and like little setup areas for us <laughs> to hang out while we were in the holding areas and, and when we were in liverpool <laughs> i went to the bathroom and i walked out and i scratched my head i'm like i just went back i, I just stood in between 
Seb Ogier and Craig looking <laughs> at the urinals like, where am I right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, great. It was, it was pretty funny. I'm like, oh, I got to get it together, man. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I learned pretty quickly too. Like we're so spoiled racing with guys like Barry McKenna at McKenna Motorsports. Like the, uh, I guess the way that JWRC runs is like they provide the car and they give you two mechanics and then an, an engineer between, I don't know what it was. I think either five or five cars or there might've been one engineer for all 10, but, uh, you know, like the first night they didn't even throw the lights on the car. We have to, you have to make sure you have everything put in place and oh. they know every single instruction that you want. Like they didn't ask us to put the lights on. So I had that, uh, peeing experience Then we got to Alton park and, I tried to turn my lights on. I'm like, oh, no, there's no light pods on the car. <laughs> oh, God. Like, we're going to take off, and Rhiannon's like, Ryan, turn the lights on. I'm like, they are on. We don't have our light pods. She's like, oh, great. So, oh. Uh, and then trying to figure out how to drive on tarmac with gravel tires during wet conditions that we didn't get to recce because it started raining after we recced it. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> the way that the M Sport team organized organizes themselves i was wondering if there was anything that you could take back from that to uh to the guys at mckenna motorsport and say hey they do that we did it this way in uh wales rally gb why don't we do it that way it sounds like it's it sounds like you were very much on your own there yeah they do leave you a fair bit of responsibility for yourselves um like that's very clear from the start that you're, you know, you're responsible for your own water. You're responsible for your tires. I mean, I guess lights is part of that too. Um, essentially, we at the start of the rally had a, all had a draw for which set of tires we got and which ECU was put into our cars for the rally. Wait, wait, separately then, the ECU? So one well, was for the car, one for the ECU. Well, no, it was like together. So like we got five. So we got ECU number five. And then obviously like tires are just tires. So they just had them like, you know, like it doesn't really matter. They're all the same anyway. Um, But, you know, you get at least for this rally, what it was is we had 22 medium tires and four hard tires. And we were able to use 22 of those 26 throughout the rally and you are responsible for making sure that the tires you want to go on the car are placed out um, for the mechanics like by the end of service when they need to put them back on. Mm -hmm. So like when we do that draw, like they've already set aside the 26 tires and they're calling it like number five, but it's obviously the same as number seven or number four, like, but you're just set of barcode numbers basically. And then they've already like printed those off onto a sheet and then so that you can keep track of them. Um, But, you know, there'll be a stack in front of your service bay. And then like Ryan said, there's two engineers split between all the cars. And then you have a pod manager that manages like your section of cars and then the mechanics. Um, But you are mostly communicating with like your pod manager. and anyway yeah so you choose which tires and you have to make sure they're set out and check to make sure that it's your tires that make it onto the car and not you know mixed up with the car next to you 
right, or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, if you show up to the tire control with someone else's barcode, like you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they basically just give you like a, they basically give you like a base setup and a base of everything. And they say, go to town, do what you want with it. But um, you're pretty much in charge of yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've got to uh, supervise the. Uh, get, how how do you get go about getting the tires down to the tire change area on the well, it was Saturday, wasn't it? On the super super Saturday, yeah, had a tire change in the middle of nowhere, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah you you give them the you you give them the barcode numbers, the tires. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kiana, but you just choose which four that you want to bring, want to have them bring, or six if you have to replace your spares. Um, and then they just meet you down there and bring it for you. Get, yeah. We got yeah, one so mechanic bef- to help us out during mm-hmm. the entire change process. So. Mm-hmm. so before we left on Friday night, we had to tell them which tires we wanted them to bring on Saturday. So was the uh, tire choice pretty simple with the conditions out there? Like we did have a group with someone from Pirelli that was giving us um, their suggestion on oh, nice. tires and pressures <laughs> for the stages. Um, but really, the whole thing at the start of the rally was, you know, if you do decide to run the hards, like, only on the front, probably. And it wasn't, like, a hot event. We didn't have, you know, we're not tearing the mediums apart. Right. Uh, right. To <laughs> the point of, yeah. like, you know, your that you really like need the hards on the front to keep that. So I think probably everyone I'd say just stuck to the mediums. Um, I don't think anybody K4s. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, um, yeah, as, as drivers saying, are, are, these are all your decisions, but I mean, you both had really experienced co-drivers with you with martin and rhiannon how much how much are they they of these tasks are they taking on as well this is a co-driver question because i'm interested (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean for for me kiana or sorry kiana for me rhiannon (laughs) Rhiannon, uh she helped out a lot especially with the fact that she did the juniors with her brother um you know i don't i think it was 2011 2012 um so she had a lot of experience with this and she kind of just took the reins and I, I let her go with it and she just kind of made all the suggestions and decisions um yeah it was really nice to have that experience because if i would have went over with someone who had the same amount of experience i did it would have been a completely <laughs> different weekend so i mean i'd say that it wasn't like we have our own responsibilities and we have to make like double check everything and martin definitely like was the one making sure that you know the right tires were on the car and in charge of letting them know what we were doing i wouldn't say we had like a plethora of decisions to make you know like on the tire thing it wound up being quite simple like no one it's not a hot rally we're not like going through tire wear i think even though saturday had still a lot of stage kilometers and was a really long day our stages were still 25Ks long, not, you know, 50. Right. So mm-hmm. there wasn't, like, a ton of decisions to make. It's just kind of like, 
being the one to do all those checks along the way. Yeah. And... Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, definitely a little bit more of a unique experience anyways and in, in having to be have a handle on uh, those different levels. I mean, you know, when you talk about tires in American rallying, unless you're Team Subaru, there really isn't any limit. You can just do whatever the hell you want. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very that's, different there. that's one of those one of these things you take 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 for granted over here. And it's like you were like plunged into a whole totally different situation over there. And I, I can't imagine having to uh, having was, say Scott and I went took the rally truck over there. I can't imagine that going through tire choices and things like that. But uh, hey, you had 14 different weather updates to make sure you got the right choice. <laughs> so there is that. <laughs> With weather reports mostly said all the same thing. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be wet and it's going to be cold. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Definitely also being like this gravel event and just kind of, you know, we know it's like wet and all of that. I think the weather updates, they're they were what we kind of just expected them to be yep. on, you know, another event like, like at Corsica, the weather crews, like checking temperature of the tarmac in the right. sun, in mm-hmm. the shade. And they provide more detailed information to the main team. And then they are passing the most relevant for us on like, if they've spotted, you know, a rock that's been pulled out or something like that. They would oh, include the that as well. Stuff. Right, right. Um, well, just from weather crew, because they may access a point on the stage, and if they just see something, they'd pass that information on as well. Um, but definitely, I think for this event, it was a lot of what we expect <laughs> yeah. and not so much of that like technical information that you might that they might be taking care of during a tarmac rally as well. Yeah, there was there was something you mentioned uh, earlier about how cool it was for you, you guys, to be running at the front there on on the first day, and it was it was cool for you, but it was also cool for us who were like watching watching back watching back home on the live stream because you don't often see the JWRC cars in in the in the live coverage, so. Both my wife and I were sat sat there watching watching the Alton Park stage, and we're going like, we know them, you know, because you, <laughs> you've, you've, if you've pulled exactly. up to a time control, you've more than likely handed your your card over to my wife, you know. So we're going, oh, we know these guys, and it's like we're sitting there feeling we feel sitting there feeling really proud for you. And <laughs> I, I do I do remember like uh, it was the Alton Park st- stage, and I can't remember whether it was Ryan's car or Keanu's car, but. Your car went into the distance over the over the hill down down to the turn onto the uh, the gravel section through the water splash, and I was thinking, oh man, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Do you remember the flames that came up out of nowhere, yeah. Kiana? I wish they would have given us a heads up on that because so everyone was saying. <laughs> yeah, they had like little like fireworks that went off mm-hmm. or whatever pyrotechnics. <laughs> no one knew that they were going to be happening so you just like drive through them and it's like bam (laughs) oh geez it is like very similar actually to uh i mean actually maybe less intense actually than bonfire alley at snowdrift where when you're driving through 
and you have these like massive explosions next to you, but you're, you know, you're fully expecting it, but you can still feel the heat on your face through the car, through the helmet. Um, like this wasn't that intense, but you know, we just didn't expect to have any fire situation and come down and all of a sudden it's like, phew. <laughs> it's like oh what is happening uh but yeah everyone said the same thing like no one no one knew what was going on and it just would have been nice to have some sort of warning that <laughs> that we'd be experiencing that at some point during the stage so if any organizers in u.s rallies are uh, planning on doing any pyrotechnics please tell the drivers in advance <laughs> or just don't put it in a braking zone or you get you don't need to be distracted right right oh. <laughs> well, then you guys ended up uh, moving on to Friday's stage, the proper stages. Um, one thing that I remember listening to was, uh, the, the, first of all, there was uh, media at every stage end. There's actually, they, they tried to record something from everybody at every stage end there, which was really cool. Um, even if it wasn't on the all live uh, the Wales Rally GB folks had uh, media people there. So that was kind of cool for us because we can you know, kind of get some insight of how each stage went for you guys. And um, Ryan, I, I remember hearing something about uh, you getting a little tired and uh, needing to do some more arm curls. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, were having a good laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> so has the Wales experience altered your thoughts on preparation and physical fitness, maybe, when oh, it comes to like man. the rallies like that? Yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, no, I just, on that last, uh, I think it was, was it the first stage? It was either the first or the second stage, or maybe it was the first stage on the second pass, but um, it was like Idaho stages where they're just super technical and you're moving the wheel a lot, and uh, but it was like, you know, double the amount of the distance. I think it was like a 15-minute long stage, and uh, yeah, it just, um, it was a physical rally for sure. Those ropes are so intense. I was going to ask you if it was Elsie, the second pass, that made you say that. Because, yeah, that's a, a really tricky stage. Like, a very, very hard one to get, like, to be the proper first stage of the rally. Um, because there's a lot going on. Very technical. Like, arms moving constantly. Um, but on the second pass, it got very, very rough. Like, after having the... Um, full international rally run it, full national rally, and then to go back to it, and you were getting, like, two feet out of the apex, like, just d giant holes. Yeah. That some of them, if you went in there, like, you wouldn't have been coming out, and you're pretty <laughs> much fully committed to that line. Um, but, I mean, some of them you could just, like, see where all the cars had bailed out of the corners because so much of the roads like fallen away and where it's not completely gone. You've got these massive like ditch hooks going on, um, where the car is like going fully sideways down into them and then getting kicked out into the next corner. Um, and actually it was so rough and the seats in the car for me were like the sides came too high for my height. Oh, <laughs> so where the, like with the steering wheel when we'd go like hit a hole and it would kick the wheel like back on me and I'd have to counter steer. It was hitting my, um, 
like the lower part of my upper arm against the side of the seat because it was so high up on me that I like had a probably three inch like bruise going around like the top of where my elbow was that was just like from hitting it against the seat (laughs) and it just you know like when you hit your elbow really hard and it just like you feel that through your whole body they're not so funny and it was just over and over and over again (laughs) so ryan what about those second passes for you because uh there's some of the shots that i saw from the all live coverage that man it looks like some of those corners you guys are just riding on the skid plate over chunky rocks and everything yeah, I mean it's it's insane how much the the stage gets tore up and um, how deep the ruts get with the world cars. I heard people talking about it. Rhiannon warned me about it, but you know I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Ah, oh, um, that's no and, big deal. I got yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How it was. But uh, it was, um, I guess, because of where the the roads are built up so high over there too that it does get into this big ditch hooking, and you got to switch ditches and. Um, it was hard to, it was hard to, I mean, it wasn't hard because you saw where the ruts were, you saw where the line was, but it was hard to be able to judge how quickly you could take something like that because you knew the car was just going to bottom out and ride the skid plate around the whole corner. You didn't know how much grip you were going to have. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause once it's on the skid plate, it's not on the tires and the suspension <laughs> anymore. Right. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. yeah, that, that makes the uh, grip level even more sketchy. That, that makes sense there for sure. Yeah, and one of the we had on, I think it was Saturday, we were you know just doing what you normally would do, and we came through a compression, and it disconnected the ECU, which I didn't know at the time, and um, it just I didn't think the car was gonna make it past like the first half of the first day, so it just shows how much of a beating these cars can take, and things do go wrong, but you have to do it to be fast, so. So you've you've bounced your car down the stage and wrestled it round the corners and you've got to the finish of the stage and your car door mysteriously opens and Colin Clark shoves a microphone in your face. I mean, what's that like? I mean, it's one of those things again we take for granted and it's like we see it on the on the t- on the, on the on the WRC live and it's like, so how how do you come up with something to say? What's it like to have this this level because this, it's not a level of coverage that we get give in the u.s but what's it like for you to be subjected to that in other words it's not mike in the service park at an ara <laughs> event <Yeah. laughs> it's colin clark come on uh well for me i i mean i knew we were running on all live but i still didn't really expect at the end to even do like an end stage interview and it was like oh wait what's going on whatever okay and then I'm like, oh, he's waiting for me to take my helmet off. So I'm like trying to get it off. And I mean, it's just, it's hard to, you have so much going on to like really form a really cohesive <laughs> thought at that point, especially when you're like now flustered because you're like trying to get like ready to <laughs> talk mm-hmm. and yeah, to, to really like form anything cohesive. But also everyone's like going because it's, whales and cold and everyone's like bundled up and going winter mode almost already and it's like it took me a second to be like oh like I mean I've met Colin before uh, on the rallies but it's like it took me even a second to be like oh like it's Colin yeah it was uh 
<laughs> it was kind of the same thing. Like, <laughs> I heard we were going to be all, all live, but I didn't really believe it or think anything of it. And then we got to the stage and I saw the lights with the camera in my face. Like, okay, take my helmet <laughs> on. Heard this guy talk in a in a strange accent, and I'm like, oh, I've heard that voice before. Okay, don't blow it. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, Colin's a good friend, and uh, boy, he he does a great job. And you know, I, I like how he has a a great energy about the sport, and he tries he brings out some good stuff in people. And well, I guess some of the bad stuff too when he frustrates a few drivers. But hey, uh, so be it. That's rallying, but. Uh, so Friday, what Friday ended up being a pretty long day, even though Saturday was talked about as being the longest one. You ended up in the, finishing in the dark on Friday, even I believe. Yeah, uh, last two stages really were were getting into the dark. I I'd say end of dusk for for the second to last stage, and then in the dark for the last one. I think it was. Yeah, it was pretty dark on both of them though. I don't yeah. Know if it was just from the the tree cover, or um, we just uh, I perceived it as a little bit darker because about halfway through the first night stage, my we ran a little wide through like a low hanging tree, and it broke the the mounting bracket for the light pods. So I didn't have lights again for the <laughs> second for like half of the first stage, and then the entire second stage. So I just re- and it was my first time ever driving in the night, so it was a really good time, and I had. I had a very confident nighttime driving. Yeah, so because I, I, I read, I read about that. Your your light pod fell off on uh, on Saturday. That was something I was gonna going to ask you about. So yeah. it's uh, the light. You, you didn't have to supervise the putting on of the light pod yourself at uh, service then. No, no, they they showed up with the lights and threw them on for us. Um, but I just decided to make it a lot harder for myself. Break the mounting uh, <laughs> bracket. You're not kidding. I mean, I've been on stage when uh, when the light when the driving lights have given out on on the car, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty frightening experience. Yeah, thankfully we still had the the normal stock lights, but mm-hmm. nothing. Um, yeah, that's lights are no still comparison. there, but they just pointed at the ground. So, on the contrary, for us, we had the our our auxiliary lights, but on the road sections, our like driving lights on the car kept going off <laughs> and the transits are very tight. Like, especially on the second loops of Friday and like Saturday. I mean, what, one of them Friday and I know Ryan had the same experience is like, we were pushing hard to get there. And then, you know, even into the control, not ready. And for us, like we are on the start line of one stage, just like, on our minute, not even having our helmet on yet. And that's like how tight some of the transits were. Um, so you're really trying to keep the speed up on the road sections, but then obviously too, you're trying to be like respectful of the speed limits and everything. And it was, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, um, that the police had gotten complaints about the rally cars and like, you know, no one's above the law. Like next person that gets caught, is like getting arrested. Like well, if, if, if they made the transits with enough room, then that would be an issue maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the last year it was based in a totally different town, Chester, I yeah. think. Is that correct? Yeah. So they probably just, 
it seemed like they just didn't have a good grasp of how long everything was going to take. Yeah, so. and then all the like tons of road work going on. But yeah. it did seem to be like the first like loops they had gotten the times like pretty good, and on the second time like second loops of the stages for yeah. some reason were a bit tighter and the the speed isn't marked on the road <laughs> like in many places so we have the information that we can be going you know whatever 60 miles an hour 97 kilometers an hour where like you'll just come up to people cruising around at 50 miles an hour and when it comes to like making the time and having your at least three minutes when you get there to get ready or more, mm -hmm. it makes a difference. Um, and then, you know, quite twisty, a lot of narrow sections on the transit. So, you know, just trying to get past people safely and all of that too. Like Kiana said, we had the, the uh, I think it was the second loop around on the first day. We didn't even get to do tire pressures before we went into the first stage because we just squeezed by by like five seconds. Kiana pulled in like right behind us and we almost didn't make our minute and checked the pressures after the stage and they were at like the rears were oh, both yeah. over 60 PSI and it just right. um, it was, was... Uh, a little too close for comfort. Yeah, and that one was right after, I remember, too, right after service, because I remember yeah. Reese saying, like, you know, they told us we were leaving service at this pressure, but there's no way we would have wound up with over three bar if we, like, yeah. left yep. on that. Because yep. she said she put the, at the end of the stage, the, like, tire pressure gauge on, and it just went, like, straight to three and read nothing more, because that's yeah. all that the gauge showed. And it was like, oh, yeah, those tire pressures were definitely way too high. And it was just because yeah. there's no time at the start of the stage to, like. Yeah. I'm sure it'll change next year, though, with they do it mm -hmm. the same time, just having the experience of it. Yeah, for sure. So on Saturday, boy, that was a long day because there was, uh, I, I was shocked that there was no midday service. It was the whole day, and all you got was a tire change, tire fitting zone. Yep. Yeah, a couple fueling and what we had, did we have, oh, we, do we have a, oh, yeah, Saturday we had a long um, regroup in yep. town. Yeah. So in the middle of the day between the two loops, like we'd had some refuels along the way too, um, aside from that light fitting zone, but we had a yeah. regroup that was like probably 40 minutes long. Um, at least that was in, in one of the towns. So it was basically like a expose yeah. day. Yep. Yeah. And it, I, we, we dealt with a failing, um, drive shaft. We don't know how early it was causing problems, but by the time we got back to service, it was clunking. It was about to go. I had to just kind of tiptoe through that super special that night there. And then, um, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting trying to get through there. We had a bent steering arm, and the uh, cars were just kind of lucky to get through the entire day. Well, and that's what I was uh, going to ask you guys is, you know, you, you both had some technical issues on that Saturday. And, uh, you know, what I do like about that kind of thing is from a historical standpoint, instead of being these, you know, super fast sprint type of stages, which the stages kind of are, 
but at the same time now you suddenly have to manage the equipment right it's like the old rallies that were really long and you yeah. had to just be careful about things and stuff might break so you have to figure out how to fix stuff sometimes on stage or whatever i mean i guess what i was wondering is like you know talk about those technical issues they had and what you had to do to overcome them because i think yana you had an oil pressure thing that happened mid-stage ryan you had the diff issues and issues with the with the drive shaft yeah yeah Yeah. so what kind of things are you able to do either in the stage trying to get back going if you're stuck and or in between stages yana go ahead all right um yeah so for us well it, it seemed at the time um with the alert that we got that it was an oil pressure thing but what actually happened was waiting to start that stage we were there for so long without moving that the ecu overheated um Uh. so once we started the stage it just like freaked out and went flat uh, so what we wound up having to do to get going again was kill all the power for the car and give it a minute to restart everything. Um, all else fails reboot. <laughs> that was like a hard one because, you know, we were just going into that last little street stage of the day. And we got we checked into the control. We could definitely see at least like six cars lined up ahead of us. But we knew that it was even more than that. And in the control, just at the ATC, the guy checking us in was like, come on, put your gloves on, like, get ready to go. And I'm just like, dude, like, I have time to put my gloves on (laughs) in a minute, you know. Um, And it wound up being that it was like almost all of the cars in there already and the wait we were in the control checked in for at least 60 minutes before we went jeez oh, and mm-hmm. so from you know, ATC kept... to start was 60 yeah. minutes because Whoa. this this street stage we were going out it was like out through a chicane and then we turned right to go like do a hairpin come back turn back right onto the road go through another chicane do another hairpin back through that chicane back out to the one Mm. hairpin so like because the whole stage was back onto itself like you had Mm -hmm. they couldn't send the next car until they knew the one before had finished and so it was between two and three minute windows that were they were running and yeah that was it was a lot and (laughs) i think by the time we actually got up there they'd given us our you know minute for two minutes from when we were on the start line and then the car ahead of us like it didn't make it in less than two minutes so they took our time car back and gave us one more minute out and then just as we're have like 10 seconds to go they hadn't changed the times on SAS like for our trackers so oh, our no. time like was already elapsed on our tracker like that we hadn't that we'd just been going and so they were like, oh, well, we have to reset the clock. So they took our time car back again <laughs> and gave us another start time for the third time. Well, your engine's still and running we, and the ECU's gone. And then we, and then, yeah. yeah, and then we go and then the car just like goes flat. And it had been by the, by the time we were there, I was just getting ready to turn the car off when 
you know, we noticed that there was like two cars, like that the only two cars ahead of us were like all that was really left because we mm-hmm. just couldn't see anything the whole time. And I was like, well, if there's only, you know, a co- like two more cars to go, we're not going to turn the car off now. But the guy that was working the ATC was like, really just like, stay ready, keep the cars like going the whole time. Like, like I said, it was an hour that we were in the control. And the second we checked in, he's like, why aren't you wearing your gloves? No, it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that about the ECU. I forgot you guys overheated. Is I Whenever we got back to service, we know. So that I guess, I guess this has been an issue on all the Ford Fiestas maybe. Like I know yep. we had ECU issues in the R1. Um, I was driving the R1. And then I don't think we've had any ECU issues in the R2 until this weekend. But I guess they have a cooling hose now that goes to the ECU. And ours was knocked off when we got back to service that night. So I'm wondering if maybe because maybe ours overheated, I don't know if that would make it have a bad connection. And when we went through that compression, it just kind of jolted the ECU. Cause once we turned the car off and sat on stage for about 10 minutes, um, it started back up and we went fine. So right. I don't know. It, it probably was some similar issues that you had Kiana. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, normally if we're pulling up anywhere and we have more than two or three minutes, like, in the same place, like, I'm just turning the car off right right away. Mm -hmm. It's, like, not even a thing. But I didn't even, you know, think about, okay, we're here running and that could cause the ECU to overheat because we don't have any airflow. But now, you know, now we know. It's not like it really caused any problems for us in in the standings or anything like that with, you know, having a really bad stage. But, you know, it was a minute of panic because it wasn't a super special or anything like that. Like if you didn't complete the stage in, I think we had eight minutes, um, then you like are into rally two. Gotcha. So it was like, oh no, like we come like get to the end of the day and now we're like not going to finish and right. be stuck out here for longer after we just waited that long in the control and have to wait for someone to come and get us. And it was just like all the thoughts running through your head in that moment. And it's, it's just like, just so glad that it, it came back on and we were able to get through it and get back to service because by then, you know, it was a long day, a long enough day. And then we have they run a priority service for JWRC like they do for the P1 cars. So it's already a flexi service. Um, so that basically, you know, they, once they start, they have the, you have your 47 minutes to check out, but you know, until they start. So then we wound up being in the second group on Saturday night um, because a, we were back, later and B because we were in the first group on Friday night to go. So we, you know, by the time we were there, we had a half an hour to wait before our car even started getting working on. And then we had our 47 minutes to service and get it into for May for the night. So, you know, we had over an hour still to wait when we got back. So Ryan, what about some of your issues? So you talked about, you had the diff issue. You had an ECU issue as well. Yeah. just, we went through, we had a, Failing drive shaft, uh, bent steering arm, which I have no idea how early that stuff started. Clunking started with like on the last three stages of the day. And I thought it was just something bent in the steering, or um, but we couldn't see anything. And then uh, we went, we came through a compression on one of the stages. I think it was the second to last stage of the day. 
and it just the car shut off. Just the same thing that happened in the R1. Um, and so we just kind of sat there panicking, trying to figure out what to do. There were some codes. I tried to call the engineer, but there was no service out there, and it magically turned on after 10 minutes, and I kept going, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you a story about Barry McKenna and ice packs for, at uh, NEFR. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Hear it. Um, he was... Uh, so overheating ECU was certainly his problem okay. and uh he was it, it, the whole crew kept going into you know that um uh when you do the service out there in oh shoot where you just uh go across the border in new hampshire there what's that town called errol errol thank you errol yep so you got that little market there you know that yeah. everybody goes to for the ice cream and all that right they bought them out of ice packs i swear <laughs> and they were just like they had all these ice packs and, and, and they were going to the car and basically each time he came into service they strapped on new ice packs around where the ecu was no way <laughs> no joke so he could finish that rally um yeah. it was it, it was all because of overheating ecu yep so it's definitely a uh ford fiesta issue it seems um I don't know if they had if they're using as their ECU like a Pentium Four from like uh, 2006, which always overheated. But... <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little painful though because we had just after stage prior to our ECU shutting down, we crossed over into fourth place, and so we were me and Rhiannon were kind of stoked, and and that happened, and it was just like oh man, but it, we only got in. We had a couple penalties because um, the guys had to change the alternator. And some other stuff on Friday night, and we just we didn't get out of our service in time. But uh, we had just crossed over into fourth place. We were battling with uh, the Italian guys, and Rico Drati was the driver, and Elia. I can't pronounce his pronounce his last name. I'm not going to even try to butcher it. But Dude, uh, I, we were battling. I totally all understand this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he's listening, he he knows. I, I tried to pronounce. Deguio. Deguio. Yeah. But um. We were battling. They had a puncture on the stage prior to our ECU shutting down, and then our ECU shut down. It just kind of uh, oh, bummer. But, yeah, so. especially when you're fighting with somebody. But I mean, even if it's a, not overall, you can still look at stages afterwards and go after stage time, I guess. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, then you guys uh, kind of go into the final day. It's a little bit shorter day. It's been brutal. Long Saturday, long Friday, plus a Thursday little night stage. I mean, th this is true endurance rallying, right? I mean, <laughs> you had a lot going on, and now you get into uh, Sunday's final stages, including the uh, power stage thing. Yeah. Uh, wh what was that like for you guys? It seemed like the weather got a little bit better for some of it there. Yeah, Sunday was, was a fairly nice day. It was a little little colder, but it was pretty funny. Alex Gelsomino, Rhiannon's husband, was there with us, and uh, my girlfriend Taylor came along as well, and... I guess Taylor actually told me this today. She's like, it was so funny. Alex asked me, like, how is he doing okay? Like, he looks like he's fine and awake and alert. And even, like, when we're walking back to the hotel at, like, 11 o'clock at night, and she's like, he's running off pure adrenaline watch. And as soon as we got to the um, the holding area after we finished the rally on Sunday, like, my, my demeanor completely changed. I was just like... I was half asleep already standing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You run off pure adrenaline that entire weekend mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, so what, what are you thinking for, on Sunday morning? It's like as you're going out on stage, you're thinking, I've got this far. I mean, it's in like, like I'm saying, the second most important rally in, in, on, in, on the calendar. You've got this far. What are you thinking? 
are you like planning to take it easy to get home or do you want to push it a bit or, or what, what's your thoughts then? Kiana? Okay. Um, so for me, we, Martin and I are like really struggled in the rally to get into a good rhythm with each other. Um, so really, really hard Friday where the stages were so technical. And then we went out and had new brake pads on Saturday morning and actually on so on the first stage like our first little downhill bit wound up going straight into the bank at the bottom of it oh no oh. um like we'd done some bedding on the way out and but the brakes just still weren't like hadn't really come in yet and it's like gonna try and push it a little bit and then it that kind of started the day on tried to start the day on high confidence and then it like quickly like came back down and then we were still still struggling to get into a good rhythm with each other and the one stage of the rally that my my notes were probably the worst on and like they were pretty like I was pretty happy with them on everything else except for on my hair and which is you know, not, not a good stage to <laughs> to be worrying about that. And so we made a lot of good changes in the first pass on Saturday morning to help out on the second pass on Saturday afternoon. But, you know, those first two days were, were a bit, lot of struggling. And I knew that Sunday stages were a lot more open, smoother surface. And I just really wanted to go out there on Sunday and enjoy them and try and give as much as a push as I could to try and get a good, better time in that, than what I'd had the rest of the weekend. So it was a little bit more, at least for me, of a push day. Yeah, I was, I was kind of similar. I really wanted to push on Sunday. I'd been, I didn't, so the, the, the 2019 R2 is, a lot different than the 2018 which i had no idea Um, we did Mm -hmm. that test on monday and i i felt you know just there's 40 more horsepower so the torque's a lot higher they have a bigger turbocharger the turbo doesn't kick in until a little later um so you got some lag you gotta make sure that you prepare for okay right right and the gear stack is a lot shorter now too compared to the 2018 so um i was having a lot of understeer issues compared to the 2018 Mm -hmm. um and I just, you know, I didn't really want to make any changes because I didn't know if it was just me trying to figure out how to drive the car if I wasn't driving the car properly and um, or if it was just the surface conditions or the failing parts we had or just, you know, me not knowing the surface and the stages. Um, so I really kind of pushed on Sunday because I knew my notes were fairly decent. And so it kind of confirmed like, OK, yeah, these understeer issues are either one, you're not driving the car how it wants to be driven or you need to make some major setup changes. Cause we just like, every time I'd go into a corner, I'd try and, you know, hold the car in and use some power to drive me around the corner and it would just drive and push straight off the, off the road. So, um, it was kind of a confidence building day in a way, if you could say that, just like kind of verifying everything I was thinking throughout the weekend. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was actually really nice because the weather was really good, and those stages were a lot more like American stages than the, the 
previous ones. Yeah, th th this is actually something that you've mentioned a couple of times. You said that uh, some of the some of the stages were like like Idaho, and it's like how do how do how do these stages compare to what you've experienced here in the U.S.? I mean, I. Kiana, I don't know about you, but like that, that one stage was just the one that was kind of like Idaho with how technical it was, but it just, it didn't really compare for me, like the mm -hmm. surface conditions and the way you have to drive it and how high the road is built up off of the actual, you know, terrain around it, because it's just, it's so much higher consequence than I want to say in the States. I haven't done every single rally in the States yet, but you know, it, it, there's a lot more, the roads are a lot wider over here. There's a lot mm -hmm. Or room there's a bigger margin for error over here with i guess either how wide the roads are or how equal the road is with the surface around it um so it was uh it was really um what's the word for it? it's not intimidating but it was just kind of uh like a a um man i don't really know how to explain it it was just kind of a a uh whoa this is completely different like mm -hmm. you need to be not not be careful, but you need to you need to figure out how to drive these compared to what you have or. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, definitely a couple of stages would remind me of something that you might see at Idaho, not much in the surface, yeah. but like where you kind of have a big drop on one side, banks on the other, and you yeah. can kind of like see see down quite a bit and then all of a sudden you're like making like a two to come back like up the other way right and that kind of sight um and then a little bit with on um, one other stage like of the blind sharp crests yeah. that you get at idaho i think quite a bit not like completely in in the stage characteristics but maybe in surface and environment like olympus i mean kind of like the same thing where you have actually somewhat very similar weather conditions and forests um as that part of the country and then also a bit like stpr and areas where basically um, you have no margin for error. If you, you you don't have a buffer of you know large ditches or something, it's tree. Yeah, and I more almost in surface, like how oh, CPR gotcha. could be, mm -hmm. like how that surface is when it's wet. Yep. Yeah, if I had to say it was like most like something, I'd probably say closest to Olympus and some stages like kind of. With the rhythm changes and everything, almost like Wildcat. Gotcha. Oh, gosh, I love Wildcat. Such a great stage. Yeah, like I'd say like Elsie, the first stage on Friday, characteristically, is a lot like Wildcat. The first gotcha. stage, like first proper forest stage of the rally. And did I hear where the uh, stage and reporters say that they like to call my heron their Pike's Peak? Yeah, so actually the road, too. the road on one part of my hair and like is known as Wales's Pike's Peak, but in my hair and it runs downhill. Um, that's interesting. Well, if you were to run it the other way, you'd be running uphill, so it's... Uh... Yeah, and that uphill, <laughs> and that uphill section in that stage is like 
nasty. It's just so steep. And, you know, we, it's all up and you have, you know, a deep ditch on one side where they've, like, filled it in with these downed trees or, like, large trunks. And it's just so steep going up. It's such a struggle, in, especially in the cars that we're in. Yeah, I mean, at minimum, fitness training is for me, but I need to lose a couple pounds going uphill in that little R2. God, I felt like there, <laughs> I felt like there was like 20 pound sand, but 10, 20 pound sandbags in the back. Uh, Dylan Van Way felt that same way when he was competing. Uh, yeah, just Americans in general are bigger um, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. most part, and <laughs> it's noticeable <laughs> for yep. sure. For sure, gotta work on it. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys, uh, did you have a favorite Wales Rally GB stage? Mm, Kiana, go. I got to think about that. Um, I don't know if I, if I could say one favorite one, but definitely on Friday, Elsie, um, Saturday, Sweet Lamb, Hafrin, and really I like both of the stages that we ran Sunday, Almond and Brenning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Sweet Lamb and my Heron were super cool on Saturday, just like with how long they are, how fast they are. And Sweet Lamb, I mean, you don't pay attention to the spectators, but it was like for some reason it gives you some kind of different mm-hmm. energy when there's ten, you know, not ten thousand, however many people. Oh are no, there probably there probably is. Yeah, it probably yeah. is. I mean, I, <laughs> it's 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 weird how how cool it is and just. The, the energy it gives you, especially when you go through that complex and mm-hmm. you really have to tidy. You can't look bad in front of the spectators, man. You got to make right. it look good. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. It was funny on, yeah, for Sweet Lamb, like the f- after the, that first loop, we had that um, regroup in town and I was talking to one of the other co-drivers and like, oh, you know, like at least we had an okay time so far on on Sweet Lamb, and he's like, oh, like, what, what, which part, like, first, and I was like, oh, you know, second part of the stage, and he's like, no, no, I like the first part, and we get back on it the second time, and just knowing what to expect with it all, and getting, like, trying to get into a better rhythm, like, it wound up being way more of the first part of the stage that wound up being fun the first time, but there's just all these, like, you know, hairpins and mm-hmm. crest jumps, like all of it. And unless you have a really good flow through it, it's it's not fun. But if you do get at least a good rhythm on it, the it it winds up being a really good time. Well, I must say, I'm so jealous. Just I'm just sweet lamb after playing it a million times on video games <laughs> throughout the years. Like to to, to see you guys being able to actually you know, drive that. That, That's Mm -hmm. been a hell of an experience because I I don't know if you guys are gamers or not, but I mean, you just, it's just so iconic going into the bowl there and all the people and just, it's it's probably the most familiar part of a rally stage in the world ever, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's funny, man. I I played Dirt Rally 2.0 a lot and I had no idea that section was Sweet Lamb, you know? So I've played that stage a bunch and so when I was going through there, I was like... Oh, I know this. I know this. <laughs> this is crazy. Before we started it the second time, one of the 
the owner's wife of like the sweet land property was out um of the house and she she'd like talk to martin and she was like oh like that she'd seen my name on the entry list so she was like afraid to say hi oh so he's like oh no like she's like doesn't bite whatever so she came took a picture and whatever sandra and like sweet lady but they had been like you know in the house like just having a great time all day actually after oliver and aaron had their trouble on the stage she'd taken them in and thrown them a party and cooked them burgers <laughs> love it <laughs> and you know I now we're it. showing back again like what probably three or four hours later and i mean she's got like her and her twin and is there and they're just having like all day party and she she was really funny <laughs> <laughs> that's the great thing about rallying is when you know People that, you know, it is t does take place on part of their property or near their property, and th they just turn it into, make a make it a party, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. one thing I love about the Oak Flat stage we have at Oregon Trail. It's like, we, we went to all of the people that own the houses along that road, and there's a lot of houses. Normally, you can't get a stage with that many homes on it. And, w you know, we kind of re reach out to these people like, hey, just make it a fun time. Don't don't make this an inconvenience. Have a party. Bring your friends over. Have a barbecue in your front yard. And they've kind of done that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's turned that into becoming one of the most fun stages, I think, uh, in our entire rally we have out here. So, yeah, it, that's cool. Hey, what's so this Dirt Rally 2.0 thing you got going on? No, well, <laughs> we're going to get into that in a little bit. Okay, all right. Cool. Talk about it later. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, in honor of the Wales Rally GB, you know, some of the guys that are in our uh, little chat group that we've got where we talk about rallying and whatnot, several of us have Dirt Rally too, and uh, either have a wheel set up or, you know, in pedals as I do here. And we like to play a little bit every now and then. I haven't played in months because I've just been busy, but he's like, hey, let's set up, uh, you know, a, a little challenge for Wales. And we got uh, quite a few people to jump on, and it was a lot of fun just uh, getting a group of rallyists to compete together so we created a open paddock club so if you are into uh doing this uh, uh this virtual ra rallying thing with uh, dirt rally 2.0 feel free to join the uh open paddock um club there so we'll have Is other events coming up or... Yeah, that's what they. That's the new thing now with Dirt Rally Two, is it is uh, cross platform now. So oh man, you're um, going down. I'm coming. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, we're gonna turn off all the assists there, buddy. Okay, <laughs> just so you know. I gotta get a wheel. I don't have a wheel. I just use yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Let's see how you do. Actually, you're gonna have to go up against uh, Fabio, and uh, he kicks some serious ass. Yeah, no, I'm, well, good I'm luck, buddy. Good luck. I'm terrible at that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of the open paddock, folks, I just crashed the least. That's all I can say. Doesn't mean I did well. I just crashed the least. Hey, anyway, finishing. Yeah, finishing is everything. Okay. Um, what the other question I had? Just like, what is it? Again, this big, huge event that is Wales Rally GB. What's the craziest thing you guys saw? Whether it was uh, at service or transiting or on a stage, you know, fans doing something crazy, flags and stuff. What kind of stood out as just like, wow, this is these people are just nuts for this. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess you know, it, I was. Well, go ahead, Kiana. Go ahead. I got to uh, think about mine a little bit more too. And not. In so much of a 
great way, but in terms of uh, spectator safety, it was like fairly concerning. Like, mm. you know, I mean, mm. you know, you get, I've been like on the side watching a WRC stage before and, you know, after the top, after the P1 drivers come through, yeah, a lot of people are heading out, but more times than I would have liked, there were people in the road, in really bad spots, crossing the road. Um, Yeah, a lot more of that than I would have liked to have seen going on. Yeah. Um, In terms of something that's like uh, more cool, I guess, because this one was Elfin's home rally, like they do the whole Elfin's corner and... Oh, yes. It's all just like, like they've had Elfin all spelled out in it and just tons of people with all their Welsh flags. And, you know, in the past rallies, it's like a surprising amount of people from like Estonia, they're from Oi or like Toyota in, you know, places that you wouldn't expect. And this was just like, you know, all the hometown support. So that was like really cool cool to see yeah for me it was uh the spectator thing was was crazy too i mean when you're driving on the on the stage racing you don't think about the repercussions that can happen of if something happens and god forbid you hit a spectator or something you know we have to live with that so that sucks but it was it was on the on the other side of it it was really cool to see people so hyped up and excited about it but it did trick me a couple times like the the standard safety gear i guess that those you know the the what the marshals are wearing. People would be wearing that as their normal rain gear. So like there'd be two dudes in mm-hmm. the orange reflective gear on the middle of the stage, <laughs> waving at me, but they're pumping me up. So I'm hitting the brakes in the middle of a straightaway. Like oh no, is something <laughs> going on? You know. But you know, I, I quickly had to learn like unless you see a car off with the with the triangle and a okay sign, don't worry about it. You know. Mm-hmm. But and then passing. I think we passed. I think Esapeka Lappi was off. Hayden Padden was off. Um, and then we pa- I passed somebody else that was off that was a, a P1 car or a WRC2 Pro. And I was just like, oh, no. Like, these dudes are going off. <laughs> like, what's coming around the corner? So it was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty wild, passing those guys that, you know, it, it just shows you, like, no matter how much experience you have in this sport, stuff's still going to happen. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, that was pretty crazy. Well, I guess that's some of the challenges we have with the sport getting so popular again that uh, the whole fan thing can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you, it's, you've got through the uh, the final time control there and you're driving back up to uh, now, and you, There you are. You've finished, you've finished yeah. the rally. You've finished your first WRC event. What, what, what are you thinking on the way, on the, on the, on the way up? Oh, just landed. No. Really glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made it to no, the end, and I not mean, everybody did. So yeah, it was like just, I, it was happy to make it to the finish to drive all the kilometers, um, and you know, finish it off on a positive note on Sunday. Um, but yeah, it, it's such a long event that it's like okay now you finally have a second to just relax Mm -hmm. and it's good so you just you just maybe maybe too tired to appreciate what you've done and it's like sinking in now 
Yeah, I mean, like, still in the time, happy, like I said, to to get the full experience and do it all. But, you know, we've just done, I mean, yeah, we're up, what, Tuesday morning at 4 o'clock to leave for Recce and early on on Wednesday and then another early morning for shakedown and then you know you're just like you've had all these long days getting four or five hours of sleep a night and you just get to the finish and it's like you don't have anything to really worry about anymore Mm -hmm. so it's just like kind of relief because it's not like you know happy for it to just be over because you don't want to do it anymore but it's just like relief because you don't have anymore that you have to worry about did we lose Ryan? As he, did we lose him maybe that beeping he heard was the batteries or yeah, something yeah sounds like we lost ryan uh-huh. <laughs> well now that we have ryan back with us um ryan what was it like for you you going through that final time control at the final stage you know i guess you're just on transit uh back to ladudno and you know there's just an mtc there to final check in um well i actually have the finish ramp too so they got all kinds of cool stuff that you're going through but uh what, what was that feeling of finishing a wrc event um i don't know man i guess it just kind of felt like every other rally you know like i just i'm so focused on the next thing and mm-hmm. how to make everything better so like that's all that was going through my head was like yeah this like it, it was cool don't get me wrong but like i have a disease where i have to like take everything 110 percent. so i was just trying to figure out like what i can do to improve for the next event pretty much like that was just going through my head and then once we got back to the to the holding area after we finished you know it was it was fun chatting with everybody and kind of talking uh reflecting on the rally and you know, it it was um, when you go to Europe to race, like back when I was doing circuit racing, no one was really friendly and it was just very uh, competitive driven. But I guess rally is totally different as well in Europe. And, you know, I got to know most of the guys pretty well. And it was kind of just uh, enjoyable to kind of just share our experience with each other and joke around a little bit. So so you've got we've got the, you've got the same camaraderie in the JWRC event in europe there is the, the, as you have the same camaraderie here in the u.s because every everybody's everybody's mate yep, around here sure. aren't they yeah 100 percent. It, it's it's very similar over there that's great so um kiana i guess we heard that uh when it came to the end there you ended up getting a newcomer award is that right yeah so they had um an award for the team that finished highest with the driver and co-driver in their first, uh, like, full WRC. So we wound up taking that home. Um, <laughs> it, it felt weird to actually, like, w- to win something. I mean, like, I know I would be someone that's like quite hard on myself and for the rally that I had it felt really strange but making it to the end of such a tough rally is an achievement in its own so 
should be proud proud of finishing. Mm -hmm. You definitely should. I mean, this oh, is, yeah. th this defines endurance rallying, yeah. really. I mean, with, with how tough it was out there, especially with that Saturday with nothing but that uh, remote tire change and, you know, you, you guys had to work on the cars yourselves, essentially. So, yeah, there, there wasn't a lot that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, helping you out there. It was definitely a long, tough rally, this one, especially compared to U.S. events. For sure. Yeah. Yep, we're, we're, all, we're all proud of you. We're all proud of both of you, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Damn right. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hey. That, that's fine, that's fine. That's, it's, 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 hey, hey, they're all jet lagged. He's had I'm, too many I'm beers. Like it's okay. <laughs> no, he already had to leave once for a bathroom break. He's <laughs> <laughs> a tough boss, man. He runs a tight ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, so, all right. So, three, two. So, so what would you say to uh, any other Ameri Americans out here that are looking to take a crack at the WR JWRC? Yeah, what do you got? <sighs> Are you on the spot while I think for a minute? <laughs> you keep doing that, dude. Dude, you're tough on her. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, True. Did you learn this in media class or something like that? Maybe. <laughs> Always maybe. defer the question. I learned, I learned it in uh, just trying to divert attention from myself. Yeah. <laughs> in class, I, try, I did that once at the start, too. I was like, right? Yep. Um, nice. Anyway, I, I mean, I think... In general, not just even JWRC, but outside, rallying outside of the U.S., I, I think that that people should go for it, and it's it's really not as difficult as I think you you would expect it to be. For me, doing a rally in Europe is pretty much just as easy as you know doing a rally in the Pacific Northwest, like. You still have about the same amount of travel time each direction, and you know, potentially it it could be higher cost. It could be less, like something we did earlier with the Clio um, Cup. Like mm -hmm. that was really great incentivization to go do something like that. And my base rally cost was less than it it would be to do one of our normal rallies here. And so I think, you know, don't get discouraged just because it's international. It seems like massive. Um, but, you know, sometimes it can be really just as simple as doing something over here. Um, like, I think the big thing is that because it's not so grassroots, you do have to be a lot more on top of the regulations. Um, gotcha. yeah. But aside from that, if it's something that you're interested in doing, start looking into it and start planning. Yeah, because we, we haven't even, we're going to have to have you on again to talk about your other exploits in Europe because we, have, we haven't even scratched your uh, exploits in the with the uh, with the with the Clio Cup yet so. oh yeah I guess the last time we talked was before I headed out for that so yes, you were just, you were just announcing, announcing yes. that yeah. yeah so 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 Ryan we've we've deferred your deferred you for long enough <laughs> yeah yeah you did I got it <laughs> <laughs> no just kind of 
piggybacking on what Kiana said, you know, I, I didn't plan that or anything. But no, for real, it's um, <laughs> if you have the means to do it or you can find the means to do it and you want to um, try to take your rallying to the next level, do it for sure. Um, it's, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with Kiana, but I kind of disagree with her. I think it's a little more difficult over there, but I'm so new in my rallying career that it could be just because of, of lack of experience for me. Just the, the big days compared to what we do in America. I mean, yeah. We have right. some big days, but not three or four of them in a row with two days of recce, two days before that. You know, it, it's a it's a long week, but it's it's hard to compare here, too. Like, I'm doing the two-wheel open, but we all drive such different cars. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. AWRC, everybody has the same exact car. Um, and it's up to you to figure out how to set it up, how you want to drive it, and um, it just kind of gave me personally like a good gauge of what I need to work on for the next year or two and, and where my pace is at compared to some of the best in the world. So um, mm-hmm. you have the means to do it or you can find the means to do it, go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just, it'll, it'll teach you a lot. I guess like I'll clarify too that not that the rallies it's itself are easier, but in terms of planning you're going to have something like on, say, J- JWRC or any part of the WRC, like that recce, you're following a route the whole day. You don't have to right. like, do the recce plans, like at least with what we're doing with JWRC, you know, with M-Sport, we have like the whole hospitality set up yeah. catering. So there's like a lot that's taken care of for you. Um, definitely the rally it- itself is not going to be the simple part but in terms of like getting everything planned and figured out like you'll be working on an arrive and drive situation and there's a lot that you logistically don't need to handle when you're doing something overseas like this well it's no marcel belperin doing that but uh (laughs) that guy is quite the chef isn't he he's amazing Damn. He's got a chef's name too, like right. Perfect. <laughs> you know, obviously, you guys dealt with a, a massive amount of experiences and things over this uh, weekend of rallying there in the JWRC. Some you dealt with mechanical issues, technical issues, all kinds of stuff. Do you still love it just as much as when you started? Yes, for sure. <laughs> That yes. didn't take long to answer. That's Absolutely. awesome. Because uh, I'm listening to some of these stage end interviews, and you're just like, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to figure it out, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, you get to the end of something like that. That's so hard. Yeah, and... I, 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 I noticed how their, their attitudes changed in the uh, stage end interviews. You know, it's like, yeah, at the start, it was, oh, we're just trying to get through this. And then by the end, it was, oh, I can't wait to come back next year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> true it's um man it was a rewarding so is that it both of you planning on going back next year brian (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i I, I, you guys have a plan for me because i'm trying to figure out what to do next year i still don't know you know it's still all up in the air gotta uh figure out what the budget's gonna be for next year and kind of go from there that was just adrenaline talking was it no uh really though like Budget is obviously a massive player in 
and what we're planning to do next year. I think, for me at least, I've done all the all of the U.S. like national rallies a couple times, if not if not more. Um, unfortunately, I'm not making it to OSPR this year, which is disappointing because it was my first rally, and this year would have been my fifth year doing it. But it doesn't seem like it. It's been that long already, but um, yeah. So for me, I think I'll be looking at some new challenges for next year. I'm trying to figure out what those rallies are going to be. I did a little threw out there um, the other day on my social media, like what what rallies people would want to see me at next year. Um, and the top responses were actually for New England and Ohio. Um, for the U.S. rounds, and mm-hmm. I think followed. We still, li- we still like you out west. I know. Saying. Oregon <laughs> and Snowdrift were like the next next couple. Yeah, really not sure yet what we're going to do there. Um, had actually an organizer from another rally call me yesterday trying to figure out like what it would take to get me to do their event. <laughs> And I was like, honestly, at this point, I, I really don't know. We need to see how everything looks in a month or two. But I think it's really going to come down to, you know, what kind of help we can get for certain rallies and keep making sure that there's a good challenge at each of them. And one of my big things that I like to say is if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And Mm -hmm. I have a hard time doing like with repetition. So I feel like this year, that's why we went to France and why we went to Wales. And I think next year I might need a little bit more variation (laughs) to keep myself Mm -hmm. interested in what we're doing and challenged and keep pushing myself versus just kind of, driving through the same ones right but yet at the same time with rallying it's like you need the experience on those roads to get better at them so it's kind of that back and forth i can can totally understand that yeah it's a bit of a challenge yeah so ryan what's the uh what's your biggest take from doing this international experience that you can kind of take back home with you i mean uh what, what did you learn it's more like what didn't i learn <laughs> like anything Great. that could have happened happened <laughs> That's a big takeaway. Just um I so like I guess in, in some of the stages in America, like you can you can take a break on some stages and, and be okay, especially if you have like a, a good lead on it. But like over in Europe, those guys are one hundred and ten percent the entire weekend. Like from start mm-hmm. to go. They start out of the gate so fast. So I've got a I guess I guess that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me is like just getting getting more comfortable with my note system in order to be like 110% all the time on every single stage. So, um, and then just the full on, you know, stoked experience I had from being around an event like Wales Rally GB. Yeah, I mean, well, hell of a result for all the Americans that were there. I mean, what, Sean Johnson, Alex Kiriani, third in JWRC, yeah. 26th overall. The last time an American was on a WRC podium, even just a class podium, yeah, um, 
was John Buffum in 1988. No way. Wow. As well as in 1986. Yeah. He was third at uh, both of those times were at Olympus. However, he also was second in class at the Press on Regardless uh, rally, which is now LSPR. And that was back when it was part of the WRC in 1973. So that's how far back you have one person that's three times been on some sort of WRC podium. No other American that I can find uh, has ever been on a even a class podium in the WRC before. Um, so congrats to Sean cool. and Alex there. Um, and of course, Ryan, you and Rhiannon, uh, sixth in JWRC, 34th overall. An awesome finish because how many people entered? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, a shit ton, I guess. We'll yeah. use that. There we go. That, that's my point of reference. And Kiana, not far behind him. Um, you and Martin Brady, seventh in JWRC, so just one back in JWRC, and 36th overall. So that that's something to be pretty damn proud of on what is definitely one of the most challenging rallies in the world it really yeah. is and yeah well yeah. done yeah yeah it's pretty funny uh we ran and kept telling people you know what we were doing there and how it was uh only my seventh rally and everybody would give a little chuckle like is this kid crazy <laughs> like this is one of the... hearing them do that made me realize how difficult of a challenge that that rally event is yeah yeah and back to just what you were saying about how over there everyone's always like giving their 110%. Like, that's definitely something that, you know, struggle with here because, like, we do have that wide range of cars and it's easy. You fall into your spot, like, a stage or two in and it's like, well, I can keep going at, you know, 80% and stay where I am with, like, no problems. And it's like, I don't know, to me, it's 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 been bad for my like racing mentality right <laughs> because fair, yeah. it's like it's not close enough or you don't have like enough people that are that close where like you sometimes like drive to to like for anything to happen and especially when it's like all right, well, I've got this, like, budget, and if I crash the car here, I probably, like, I'm losing out on my next two or three events where it's, like, (laughs) I can drive exact, like, 80% and stay in this, like, spot for a podium. Yep. And it's, like, yeah, you. I really, like, I need that closer, closer battle to really push myself it's got to mean something, in other words, versus yeah. trying to compete against your own stage times. Right. Like for the previous time you ran it or whatever, you need to compete against other people is what yeah. drives you. And not to put words in your mouth, but that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And for me, one of the hardest hardest things like changing from wheel to wheel racing to rallying has been like the fact that you don't see exactly what your competitors are doing. And mm-hmm. where like for me as a competitor it was a lot easier and wheel to wheel to be like okay well this is where this person is and i can like strategize my my play off of that and you don't really get to do that in rallying so you do have to keep the mental mentality that you just have to keep on it the best that you can and for me that does require like much closer competition (laughs) than than unfortunately what we really get here 
Well, as we go to uh, wrap things up here, um, LSPR, you do plan on being there then, uh, Ryan? Yep, 100%. I can't wait. Awesome. And it's uh, it's it's just really sad because it's the last event of the year. Till yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily. You could uh, do Big White. That's uh, one out in the... In the northwest, they you know they they got big white winter rally out there. So yeah, we're working on that. I think I'm, we might because I I've never driven on snow either. So um, be a little <laughs> yeah, hard to learn at the first event. For, uh, <laughs> next year's Open Two Wheel Drive Championship, we'll might see. want to get some experience in advance before you end up doing snow drift. Yeah, Just right. Saying. We'll see. Well, there's 57 entries so far for LSPR. So. Oh, that's awesome. Um, hopefully that those all stick. You know, sometimes, you know, people pull out at the last minute, but uh, it was great to see that. Kiana, sadly, you're not going to be there, but uh, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully uh, we'll see it at a stage rally again soon. Um, other bits of news. The 2020 WRC calendar was released just like a week and a half ago. Some interesting stuff there. Do you guys follow the rest of the WRC throughout the season or... Uh, do you guys just kind of worry about events that you're thinking about attending? I started following pretty recently. Like, I think um, Finland. Yeah, Finland was probably the first one I started watching all live and following it pretty closely. So the schedule next year looks pretty sweet. Yeah, for me, a lot of the time, if if we don't have a rally or I don't have another event like F1 in schools going on, I will wind up, you know, getting up and watching all live on on the other rounds um, of the calendar. So yeah, some really interesting changes. I think a couple that were really expected to me, but I was surprised about uh, Kenya. Yeah, so we got mm-hmm. Kenya added on, New Zealand is back, and uh, Rally Japan as a yeah. tarmac event actually is going to be finishing the year. So, um, so we lost Spain, we lost Australia and we lost tour de course, but I think that's the one. No, kind of... um, Spain's Spain's still on. Is it? I'm looking at it's the us... schedule. Oh, I thought yes. well, Spain's gone. Mm-hmm. Spain's gone. Yeah. Oh, Hmm. I didn't so even it's... realize that. Yeah, so I, I just pulled up here. We got uh, January. You got Monte Carlo, of course, starting right. off, we, which you have to. I mean, you, duh, it's Monte Carlo. <laughs> Sweden. Uh, then, right, Sweden, Mexico. Then mm-hmm. we're staying all in the whole Central and South America thing. Mexico, Chile, Argentina. Then go back to Europe for Portugal, Italy. Then head south into Africa for Kenya. Uh, that'll be that'll be in July. Then in August, go up to Finland. Um, then New Zealand. Turkey, that's an interesting thing. So it must be shipping the stuff on the boat out, you know, the, the, a separate set of cars out that way or something. So New Zealand, then to Turkey, then back to Germany, then Wales Rally GB back in November. So there you go, Ian. It's back. Yeah, that's time. that's where it should be. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, that. I mean, it's, it's when you're getting into November, and that's what that's the time of year when I was brought up watching it, and that would be like frost at frost in the night oh. stage, freezing in the night stages, frost in the mornings, and then slushy, muddy roads in the afternoon. You want three different conditions in one in one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that, I, that... <laughs> I will be curious to see if it still winds up being Wales Rally GB. In 2020, though, uh, word on the street is that it still is. Um, 
because they were talking about oh I oh I see what you mean like maybe because they were talking about maybe using some of the um, Northern Ireland mm-hmm. um, as part of it and uh, or getting Ireland involved and I believe that fell through and okay. so I think it's still going to be Wales from uh, our friends over at Absolute Rally were talking about that in their last podcast and I'm trying to remember what they said specifically but it sounds like it is sticking around in Wales at least for one more year okay. um, but yeah. Yeah, there's still definitely discussions going on with the Northern Ireland folks. At Corsica, there was a lot of talk uh, with the promoters about whether or not it would be Wales, and they were really pushing for Northern Ireland. But if that's not uh, working out so well, then it might be sticking around for another year. But I think they're, they're really keen to visit another part of the U.K., and Ireland has such has great roads anyway. I mean, Craig Breen is always waxing lyrical about some of the roads in Donegal and uh, other places like that. So yeah, I think you know, like Ireland could stand its own round of the WRC anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm an old traditionalist, and I think <laughs> that uh, that. Uh, the the uh, rally GB that I grew up with in the uh, in the north of England in the forests of the north and north of England that would be that would be great to have back but uh, I don't think that's going to happen for a long time but uh, that's just my nostalgic opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Even Elfins like said recently that he'd like he'd love to see the WRC in Ireland. Of course, not in lieu of in lieu of Wales, but. Uh, it's definitely a a place that I know the drivers would love to to go. And of course, the season then wraps up. Instead of wrapping up in Australia, it's going to do its final round in Japan. I think it'll be cool to see Japan back. Um, yeah. I've seen videos and whatnot of what it was like when it was there back in the two thousands, when you know Subaru and Mitsubishi were involved and whatnot, and. The fans are just rabid there. They're just great. And I think that's just going to be a really cool way to uh, finish off. Uh, I'm curious what the area is going to be where they're going to be competing at, though, being a tarmac event. So um, they have some beautiful places in Japan. So it'll be really exciting to see what they end up using there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we also had the ARA calendar was just released. So it's all about calendars all the time. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. Um, so the big change really is, so we still have, you know, starting off with snow drift. So no last minute stuff this time. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, when RA kind of went under last year, there was some scrambling for events to get underway. But, uh, so we got st- snow drift starting off in January, hundred acre wood in March. Yeah. Um, my birthday. Oregon. Go ahead. Matt, yeah. I'm just pointing out that hundred acre. My birthday falls on a hundred acre wood this year, so it's like I I'll be there. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Is that a hint to tell Happy everybody birthday. to buy you something for the hundred acres? For Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Come bearing gifts to rally the hundred acre wood. And actually, well, of note, um, I I saw that they just changed their. Uh, their Facebook page and whatnot. We can call it Rally in the Hundred Acre Wood again instead of One Hundred Acre Wood Rally. Back with the previous agreement that they had, they couldn't use that name because it was contract they had was under that other name. 
Although the Facebook page was um, listed under 100 Acre Wood Performance Performance Group, group, which like was to encompass them all, but now they've all got their own pages anyway too. So I think it's just like a little bit weird with all of that too. What it was originally, Mm -hmm. and so it'd be nice to have that back, anyways. Um, Olympus Rally, of course. in the April spot, which is what used to be for Oregon, but uh, so we've given that slot to them with Oregon Trail following up at the end of May, then making its debut as a national event, Southern Ohio. As it should. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. It's a wonderful rally. Glad to see that as a national. Hopefully they'll get some of their miles back because I know the last this past year they... They cut the rally down a bit in terms of length, which I was a little bit sad about. <laughs> I wonder if they did that intentionally for the fact that it was a super regional. I'm not sure. Um, um, yeah, it was just requested and... by by ARA. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But... So I'm, hopefully that those miles will come back. Because I know they like to have, was I think, I was hearing like about 130 at least yeah. um, stage miles. So. Uh, so hopefully it'll be back up to that. Um, so Idaho, unfortunately, getting kind of demoted to a super regional. Uh, I, You know, the entries there weren't super high. Uh, a challenging event, though. I, I like mm-hmm. it for its challenge. But, uh, yeah, it, it still needs some work, I think, on the organizational side. And mm-hmm. no offense to the, the main people try and run it. It's just kind of a lack of volunteers, I think, is their issue. You know, they've there's a few dedicated people, but just the breadth of it, I think just isn't there. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean it can't become a, a national again, some point. I, th- the other thing is that they just use the same roads again and again, backwards and forwards. I think they need to spread out and find some new roads, at least from my, my point of view. But, uh, but yeah, so they're, they're back to kind of the, the regional level, but as a super regional, um, then we got mm-hmm. new England forest rally, coming up at the end of july so that's its traditional spot it's a week back actually is it for climb to the clouds since climb to the clouds is back this year so they push new england back a week on every third year that's right because every three years they do the climb to the clouds thing mount washington that's right have you done that no not too interested no all right (laughs) and it myself i'd i would I would rather do Pikes Peak before I did <laughs> before I did climb to the clouds. It's such a hard event, and I mean, it's it's shorter than Pikes Peak, but it's on average five more corners a mile and three, I think, three percent higher grade. Yeah, it's it's short and steep. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. And a lot more sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, so then we got New England, Colorado is there as a super regional again. So it sounds like that one's been a, a pretty good one, not quite to the national level yet. Um, then we're back to Ojibwe before STPR. Uh, STPR staying in that September slot, which I think I, I'm fine with that. I think it's a, a good time of year to go there. Um, we got the other regional of Show Me, then LSPR to finish it off for the season in October. Just kind of like, uh, yeah, same time of year. Uh, like we're going to be there next week. So, and then two other regionals, um, Empire State becomes a super regional actually. So that's interesting with Namaji finishing off the year as the other regional event. So 
that's that's a lot of events for uh, a single organization. So it's impressive yeah. that yeah, so many have come under the single umbrella. Hopefully that means good things. People only have to get one license, one rule set to kind of follow. So I, I think it's a good thing. The entries have been great, you know, all year long, and I, I hope we uh, see that and more next year. Yeah, I like, think I, like when oh, oh uh, go ahead, Kiana. All right, when when it was split for those like couple years, and you had like two events running the same weekend. I mean, you were actually like getting 110 teams running a rally, whether it be you know one of the Rally America events, area events, like the same weekend. So now that it's come together, you like are getting still like. 70 competitors at some of the rallies which is really great um but yeah i think you, you we were getting like really good entries even over those two years and now that it's like back to one thing you're really seeing like how strong and how many more people came into the sport in the time that it was all scattered it's a good point which is really great yeah for sure i i, I wanted to ask have any of you guys done or been around rally west virginia no. Nope. Oh. There are folks that have been trying to revive it, and uh, it, they just ran into several issues. Um, uh, part of it with the roads. Uh, some of it, once an event is gone for a while, right. um, getting the volunteer base again and things like that. So um, it, it takes a little bit to get that stuff off the ground. And yeah. I, I, know there were, I know that Rally America was trying to revive it, uh, but that still never happened. So, right. Um, yeah, haven't haven't been there, um, but I, I heard good things of when it did run. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said that it was a really great rally, some beautiful roads. Um, but, yeah, uh, all, all I know is hearsay, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I went to high school about an hour, I think it was an hour and 15 from where it used to run. Um, and I had no idea there was a rally around at all until back when I first went to Dirtfish or something, I heard about it. So if anyone's listening, reach out to me. I'd love to try to help out and try to get that that rally revamped. I don't know what I just signed myself up for. It might be <laughs> yeah, right? uh, regretting that. But, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's so talk, beautiful up there. I think it'd be a really, really great place to have a rally. Talk to Mike later. He'll he'll tell you everything you've let you Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I made it public, it, it so takes I signed myself up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, there, there's, yeah, there's definitely, if you can get a, a you know, good core group of people to uh, get an event off the ground, um, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, you got to start looking at how to get the roads, you know, look at the rule set, all that stuff. But yeah, there's uh, a lot of pieces to it. But if you can get a good core group of people together that say, yeah, we want to put our effort into it, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could probably make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you, you two, for giving us an awesome review of Wales Rally GB. I'm I'm itching to go there and see it myself, even in the pouring rain. It sounds like one hell of a freaking experience. <laughs> and you got to be against around some of the rally legends, some of which we've actually had at our own events here. Um, Petter with his final rally stage rally that i'll ever do and wins wrc2 not the pro but yeah i but then you're around oga and you're around tanak and all these I, that must have been just wow and, yeah. and and i really would love to go see that sometime so on the bucket list for sure 
I look forward to seeing you, Ryan, at LSPR next week. Kiana, um, yeah, we're going to have to have you back on and talk about uh, Clio Cup stuff and uh, what your future stuff is uh, that you plan on doing once you get that uh, figured out, all right? Yeah. All right. Already lots of planning underway there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, always a challenge to uh, get uh, the timing, the budget, all that stuff figured out, the support it's it's never easy that uh the whole other part of uh motorsports that a lot of people forget about it's not just the driving <laughs> it's all of the coordination and uh and support and it 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 takes a lot we i totally get that now let me tell you it does. <laughs> a few years ago i i ah yeah come on just, you can just go do whatever you want right no no it ain't that easy and then you got uh, into planning a rally <laughs> yeah yeah indeed uh, i'm trying exactly well you two have a fabulous evening and we look to talk to you again soon yeah thanks guys thanks a lot thanks for having us on well thank you again to our guests kiana erickson chang and ryan booth and we had just i guess a couple little closing items um ian Hmm. tell us a little bit about your uh goodwood revival if you would sir ah gosh it's you know it's difficult to put it into words it's it's the it's an incredible experience yeah it's like uh, you know when you talk about you go going to the races you go to portland international races and you watch you go to the races you know it's like when you go to woodwood you goodwood you go to be a part of it you know because we were there in our costumes i mean on the first day we dressed as hippies and there weren't many hippies around so we got a lot of attention dressed as hippies uh, <laughs> At, uh, <laughs> and the second day, I we I used my uh, late father-in-law's um, frat 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 sweater. He had that from like the 1950s, so I wore that. And so we had like a 1950s vibe going that day. And on the Sunday, we um, my wife had the uh, 1920s flapper thing going, and I I had some period mechanics overalls so we were like dressed for the part it so was I, just... I didn't realize that was part of the thing is uh, to dress in costume then, oh, as, God, as spectators like, there's, there's fifty thousand people there at the revival every day and you're lucky if you will see 20 people dressed as uh, 20 let's say 20 people who haven't made the effort to dress up it's wow. it's total and utter it's it's awesome Full so, on immersion, love uh, it. Yeah, and that that's great. And you know, the the racing was just amazing. It's I just love watching old old cars go at it. I mean, there was one race that I was particularly looking forward to, and that was the race for like nine pre-war Bentleys because it's the centenary of the Bentley. They had a special race for pre-war Bentleys, so we had blower Bentleys, four and a half liter Bentleys, all kinds of bentley's and the thing about the race was every car started with its roof up it was its top up mm-hmm. but but they had this pit stop staggered pit stops through the race where they had to take the roof down because this is what you did back in the 20s at the le mans 24 hour race you started with your roof up and you raced for five laps and then then you did it then you could take your roof down so though this was like going back to the days the really early days of the Le Mans 24-hour race, and that was really cool. What was the advantage really of putting cool. it down versus up? 
I don't know. It it goes back to the like nineteen twenties regulations. You know, it was yeah, okay. it, it was just the way they they ran it. But it was mo it was really entertaining. Yeah, and uh, there was another race for like five hundred cc Formula Three cars, which were like from like the fifties. You know, makes you'd never heard of makes that were like people would weld up the race car frames in their garage and race these these things and put motorbike engines on the back of them and this, that was just so much fun so and there was the kiddies pedal car race that is oh yes I've joyous seen videos of that. <laughs> it is so much fun to watch every it's yeah it is it's a wonderful experience and like i said i i actually did meet meet his grace the duke of Rich, richmond and gordon as well and he's a wonderfully nice guy it was it was a whole it was a whole fantastic experience i mean i can't wait to go back i'm trying to uh, wangle wangle a trip for maybe maybe next year but i don't think it'll work if we, we might just be able to work the weekend i don't know if my wife's listening to this dear can we try this <laughs> right right <laughs> but yeah and then after we'd done that course the day before we left we went to went to brooklands and that that's awe inspiring I mean, i've never I've never been to Daytona yet. Um, I'll put that on my calendar sometime. But Brooklands is the granddaddy of them all. It is the world's first purpose-built motor racing track. It's the world's first oval. So everything they were doing there, they didn't know. And basically, they didn't know anything about what they were doing. They just built a banked oval out of concrete. Mm-hmm. You know, and they. The concrete was mixed by hand. You know, it was all laid by hand, and um, it was all done. It's a three, it's a three, just over three mile oval. It was laid in nine months. Wow! Over a winter. And over it's a winter, my, geez, that that take a while to harden. It's mind-boggling that they did that, and to stand on the bank. And what year was this uh, that it was built? Of the 1920s. That's what I thought. Yeah, somewhere back in there. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a bit earlier than that, but yeah, it's to stand on the banking there. What, what they've got there. I mean, it's 100 feet wide, and it's just huge, colossal thing. It's it is. It's amazing. It's amazing piece of engineering, and it's amazing piece of motor racing history. You know, you stand at the top of the banking, and you look at the start finish straight, and it disappears into the distance the far start finish straight must be almost a mile long and oh it was just, it was it really was it was all inspiring it sounds, sounds like indianapolis because i mean it its first win you know yeah. was in, in 1912 yeah so that was you know the same thing you know the the front and back straights are each a mile long so it's definitely a long ways down there for sure and, and then you got the banks in the corners but uh yeah, yeah. It, was, it was an amazing thing to see. So I, I, I say I've stood on the banking at uh, Brooklands as well. So that was that was that was a bucket list item, and it was pretty awe inspiring. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Oh, and one 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 thing we have to do is I have to wish best of luck to my Irish co-driving buddy Sarah McFadden. She's competing in the penultimate round of the Borders Rally Championship this weekend. And that she's currently running second in that championship. And it's basically it's a it's a winner take all situation there again. So um, she's already finished second in the Midlands East Rally Championship. So um, my buddy Sarah is doing great. So really proud of her. And and, 
hope she pulls out. Hope, hope she comes away with the result this weekend. Well, and also uh, I got a notice today that uh, one of the folks we mentioned was uh, Matthew Dillon. Um, oh and yes, he's co-driver uh, to with uh, Cody Richards there and their uh, Richards Rally Sport team and. They've been doing that uh, mental health awareness support. Yes. And I guess uh, they reached a really big goal. A huge amount of money. It was over, over 10,000 Australian dollars, which is nearly eight, which is almost 8,000 US dollars. So that's a, and they've, that's a fantastic um, amount to raise. And they've still got more money to come in, of course, because of the performance related donations as well but uh, yeah the amount of money they've raised for mental health there is is wonderful yeah well nice to see a successful campaign there mm. and uh, yeah. definitely all for a good cause so absolutely well done by them well i think we've rambled on enough for this evening uh-huh. everyone thank you so much for listening to this rally cast as always we appreciate your feedback so please reach out to us facebook instagram twitter as you know, you can reach both uh, Ian and I on Facebook. I'm Mike Shaw Rally. Ian is Ian Holmes Rally co-driver. Send us an email too, uh, the old-fashioned way, I guess. I guess that's considered old-fashioned these days. <laughs> so rallycast at openpaddock.net. Uh, we always like like your thoughts and input. Uh, make sure you give us a good rating on iTunes. That does help us out a little bit. Uh, we're also on what uh, Spotify now, and uh, of course wherever you get your uh, podcast apps. As you're listening to this already, you probably already know. But uh, again, uh, thanks to Ryan Booth and to Keon Erickson Chang for giving us that insight into Wales Rally GB, an epic, epic event, and uh, see so many Americans there competing. That's just awesome. Hashtag American Invasion. It was great. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And America, F yeah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>